KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Love being around the student athletes every day. You know, I love being around the kids. I love watching them develop. I love watching them compete. And I love being around the game, the game that, that I grew up on. I think that's, you know, to me, the greatest job in, in the world is I get to compete on a daily basis. I get to teach on a daily basis and I get to develop on a daily basis. And to me, that that's awesome. And our guest this week, Mike Dixon, head baseball coach at Division Three Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. He runs one of the top programs in Division Three. And Mike, thanks so much for the time. Thanks a lot for having me, Matt. So as we are recording this, rolling into November, just kind of give us a, a window into what college baseball, what is it like right now for you? What's the focus as you start to turn the page towards the winter? Well, we're fin- we're just finishing up our Brown and Gold World Series. It's a little three-game series that we play every year within our team. It's an inter-squad World Series. That'll end our fall before moving forward into the offseason, uh, some lifting and conditioning that they're going to be doing in the offseason. How critical is this time of year when you can kind of get a look at players maybe without the, the pressure of the day-to-day season and stuff like that as far as – evaluation and figuring out who's going to be able to be a big piece, who's going to be able to contribute. How, how critical is the fall? The fall is great because it's, it's, it's definitely more teaching and you have time and the kids can fail a little bit and it's okay for them to fail because we're not winning and losing games at that point. It's really about them learning from their failures and making some adjustments and, and being able to move forward into the off season and continue developing uh, to the player and the team that we want, we want to be. How long does it take you? You know, as we talk about the fall, you're kind of looking ahead, but in the spring, whenever the season ends, how long does it take you to kind of process what was achieved, where you fell short, what you have, what you need going forward, kind of completely digest it and put, the season to bed is it something immediate for you do you need time to kind of process it to to look at it maybe with with clearer eyes like or is it different year to year depending upon the situation I do think it's different year to year recruiting season happens so fast for us after the season with travel we you know you have the state tournament going on in the beginning of June with high school uh, and then the travel season starts early in in June, plus now everything with the NCAA transfer portal and that happening now. So I generally try and take a weekend to just digest where I don't have anything. Then I'll have start having my postseason meetings with my players and determining where we need to be for the upcoming season, whether we need a couple transfers coming in or, or who the incoming freshmen are going to be, plus what we need for our recruiting class for the upcoming year. So it really happens for me. I like to try and get away from it for a weekend. Don't recruit. Watch my kids play sports, trying to digest the season and then start moving forward in my exit meetings. And then by then I have a pretty good idea of where we're going to be for for the upcoming year. You mentioned the transfer portal at the division one level. Things have changed so much because of the impact of the transfer portal and you know, the name image likeness thing. How much has it changed for you at the Division Three level as far as those types of things? You know, has it been a significant impact or to this point, has it not changed your world that much? 
I think it's year to year. I think every year we're trying to get a couple of transfers in from the transfer portal just because if they've been at Division One, they may be better players and they may be older players. So they may give us a, a little bit more of an opportunity to be old at a certain position if, if we're you know, if we lose an All-American outfielder and we want to try and stay older at that position, we may bring in someone from the transfer portal. It, it's changed. I still think the kids who end up coming to us are more local kids that have gone away to Division I school and, and want to stay closer to home. But we've also lost, you know, this year we were on a couple of kids that were that were in the transfer portal and we lost them to other Division I schools. Uh, and they were New Jersey kids, and then they ended up going back out of state to other Division One schools. So I think it's still pretty much the same. The kid who wants to come back and stay in South Jersey will still come back and, and come play for us. But, you know, we have lost kids as well. Have you had any impact from name, image, likeness stuff yet, or is that not really trickled down to the Division Three yet? It hasn't trickled down to the Division Three yet. So let's talk about your career in baseball was baseball the sport you gravitated to the most as a kid i i played all i played soccer baseball and basketball all growing up all the way in through high school i played up into my junior year in basketball and then wanted to focus on baseball a little bit more but played both soccer and, and baseball four years in high school and uh gravitated maybe more towards baseball just because i went to gloucester catholic high school and uh, they've been a, a powerhouse in baseball for a long time, so probably gravitate a little bit more towards that when I got to the high school level. How much do you feel the soccer experience, the other sports experience, did those skill sets help you in baseball? Did Are there things that you kind of now look and go, wow, X really helped me with Y? Might not have been by design, but it really maybe accelerated my development, my expertise in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime a kid can play multiple sports, it's beneficial. I mean, I was able to compete in three different sports. I, I helped lead Gloucester Catholic Soccer to a South Jersey. We lost in the South Jersey final to Bishop Eustis my senior year, which was, you know, we had never really been a, a, a big soccer program. So just being able to, to help take our team to that level is, from a competitive standpoint, awesome. I don't think I was the best high school baseball player because I played three sports. There was other kids that just played baseball and were better at that time. But I thought it allowed me to be a better athlete uh, and be a better player when I got to college and just focused on baseball. When did you start to feel that college was going to be an opportunity from a baseball standpoint, that it was going to be something you were going to be able to take to a different level? I had been recruited, you know, through my junior year, I played in the Carpenter Cup. Uh, and at that time, uh, playing in the Carpenter Cup, getting seen by a, a, a ton of colleges. I played for Brooklyn American Legion, which again at the time was a powerhouse when Legion baseball was uh, the primary thing that that kids played as far as uh, summer baseball. And uh, I played against some great players on that summer circuit. Uh, and just being around really good players, uh, I felt I could compete at the college level. I saw a quote in an article about you where you talked about how you enjoyed baseball because it was the most challenging sport to you. Did you kind of relish how baseball's kind of a sport of failure and you have to keep coming back? Talk about the role that played in kind of pushing you onto that focus of baseball all the time. I say it all the time. I think I, baseball is such a challenging game because it's so hard uh, you know, to hit I mean, these players at the major league level are trying to hit 101 mile an hour, 104 mile an hour fastball, followed by secondary pitches that are that are moving all over the place. And realistically, you're playing a game that's one on nine. It's one hitter. You have nine defenders. It's you know the chances of you getting a hit are so slim. 
but the competitive aspect of it and trying to be good at it is it was just so exciting to me because because of that failure so i want to figure out what i got to do to be good and be a consistent good player all the time and it, it really drives you day in day out uh with the work that you got to put in to be that type of player does baseball require demand kind of to that point a mindset unlike any other sport because even the greatest of hitters are still going to fail two-thirds of the time. And that is an extraordinary amount of being unsuccessful that is kind of baked into the cake. Do you have to have a special mindset to, to grind through in baseball? No question about it. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, you know, a weekend doubleheader where you're on the field from, as a player, you're on the field from 9 o'clock in the morning till you know, six o'clock at night. So you're talking two nine inning games. You got to be laser focused for, you know, six, seven hours, which is extremely difficult. Um, and you got to be able to put your your bad ABs behind you um, and move on from a bat to a bat. I think what makes baseball so challenging is if you make an error in the field, you may not get another ball for the rest of the game. So you're living on that, you know, you're still if you don't move past that, you're going to live with that moment for the entire game. And then if the ball does come back to you and you still have those negative thoughts, you could have another problem. Uh, same thing offensively. you got to wait three innings before you get another chance to hit. So if you fail, you're sitting around for three innings waiting on that. So I think that's extremely difficult to be able to do. And you really got to be able to move past things and have positive thoughts at bat to at bat or play to play and, and really be able to uh, mentally just move through those and, and, and still enjoy it. You know, I always talk about enjoying a day, whether you're playing well or not, because it, it's going to come back to you and, and baseball gives you another chance to be successful. But if you continue to worry about the at bats or the plays that happened beforehand, you're not going to be successful in the next at bat or the next play. Now, when you were in high school at Gloucester Catholic, you won a state title your your senior year. What was that experience like, and did you appreciate the enormity of the accomplishment at the time? And I only ask that because, you know, you're 17, 18 years old, and maybe you don't completely appreciate how hard something is until you get a little further away from it, a little more mature. What was that like? For me, it was outstanding because I was on a team my sophomore year. I was a platoon in left field on a team that was 29 and one. And we lost to St. Augustine. We're 29 and 0 going into the South Jersey championship and we lost. Um, and then my junior year, we lost in the state championship. So my senior year, I was determined. I won to, we won a diamond classic my sophomore year. I wanted to leave my mark on our program. That was such a distinguished program. And, and coach Barth at that time um, had taken over my sophomore year and, you know, I wanted to make it a goal that we won a state title and won Dennis's first state championship and also win the Diamond Classic. And for me, for personally, right, my, my senior year in March uh, or maybe February, my, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and it was going to be terminal. So for me, it was like extra special that I wanted to go out on, on a positive note and, you know, understand that, that I had some tough times at home. But I wanted to give my dad an opportunity for, for us to win a state championship. Do you remember the moment when you guys won it? Like what that emotion felt like? It, it was awesome. It was so exciting. We we'd kind of gotten up big early and, and we expanded late. And to that point, it was one of the best moments of my life. It was just awesome. So you go to Rowan to play. Did you want to stay 
close? Was the situation with your dad like you wanted to be to be close? Did you look at other schools? Kind of what was the mindset when it came to taking the step from high school to college? Yeah, I, I had committed to a school down south, and the whole plan was for me to go away to play. My dad uh, had run a company that could really he could work from anywhere. So I know my parents, my an older brother and sister that were already out of college, uh, so they were looking to move down south as well. And then once my my dad became sick, uh, I started having second thoughts. And one of my high school teammates, John Yurko, was at Rowan and I reached out to him. And I had been on a recruiting trip in the fall to Rowan. So I reached out to him in the summertime going in, you know, it was late going into my freshman year in, in college. So I reached out to him and, you know, asked him if he could talk to Coach Renero about if he could still get me into school and we were able to get me into school late. And the main reason, yes, was to stay closer to home, to help my mom out and, uh, you know, also be around for my dad uh, for as long as he was there. How much did dealing with that at home help you keep in perspective baseball? And what I mean by that is I think, especially when you're young, you think that every game is the end of the world and a loss is crushing and stuff. Did it give you a kind of a perspective to be able to, yes, I want to succeed and I want to do my best, but if it doesn't happen, we'll get them tomorrow. Did it give you a more, do you feel like it gave you a more mature mindset? Well, I, I think the, the mindset that it gave me was every day, you know, at practice, it was two and a half hours that I didn't have to worry about, you know, my dad's sick at home. And my dad ended up passing, uh, he, he passed on uh, September of my freshman year in college. So every day on the field for me was like, this is a day I don't have to think about kind of what's going on or, or that loss. And then as I got older throughout my college career, I would always have like a, I would touch my bat nine times because that was a month uh, that my dad passed. Um, so it was always like a remembrance of him and just making sure that I made him proud. When it comes to hitting, because you were prolific, why were you good? Like if you had to kind of scout yourself, what allowed you to have the success you had as a hitter? I mean, I, I worked at it. It takes a lot of work, obviously, to be uh, to be a good hitter. And and I was always a confident kid. I was extremely fast. So a lot of times that, that hits for some players that wouldn't be hits were going to be hits for me uh, because I could I could outrun it. But I, I would you know, the mentality that we talked about earlier about moving on from at bat to at bat, I thought, you know, that was the biggest thing that I was going to do is I was going to I was going to work in my practice days to be the player that I wanted to be. And that was going to drive me. And then, you know, when I got out there game day, I was, I was going to believe in myself and believe that I was the best player on the field. When it comes to your career at Rowan, what are your favorite memories? Uh, I think of, you know, I went there and there were some other teams that had predominantly won the conference and it was my goal and a couple of the older players goals to, to change that and, and winning the conference for the first time conference championship for the first time in 20 years. Uh, was an awesome moment. I think, you know, going to regionals four straight years uh, as a player was just incredible experience for me. And, you know, when I look back and, and realize, you know, the teammates that I had and, you know, just going through those times was awesome. But yeah, any any team accomplishment, when, when you take a team that hasn't been won a conference tournament in 20 years and you can win, you know, that conference tournament and kind of turn the page uh, on Rowan baseball and, and moving forward in a more positive direction. I think that was the most exciting for me. Did you always figure you were going to coach eventually? 
No, I originally went in to college as a business major. Uh, my dad was in business. My brother and my sister were both in business. But my, my parents coached when I was little. They coached all my teams, you know, up until a point. Uh, but my dad was always my basketball coach or baseball coach. Uh, I think around my junior year when I changed majors, uh, I realized that I wanted to go into teaching and coaching and had a passion for it and, and wanted to be able to stay in the game as long as I could. We need to take a break. We will have more with Rowan University head baseball coach Mike Dixon right after this. This is One on One. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Rowan University head baseball coach, Mike Dixon. So what's the the door opening into coaching? When's the, the first opportunity? How does it come together? So I, I was student teaching. And I went back uh, to Gloucester Catholic and coached my, my first, first year coaching was Gloucester Catholic. I was a head JV coach there. And then from that point on, uh, an opportunity opened up at Rowan for a graduate assistant. And John Cole was a head coach at the time and offered me a graduate position to come back and get my master's degree and get my foot in the door coaching. And then that's what I did. I took advantage of it. Did it take right away when you started doing it? Did it feel right? Was there a, a transition or you know, moments where I don't know, or were you at home right away? No, I loved it right away. I love, I love the competitiveness of it. Not many jobs give you the opportunity to be that competitive on a, on a daily basis. And there's so many things that are changing and there's so many things that I'm still learning to this day. Um, uh, that keeps my, you know, in the sense, keeps my juices going. Love, I love the aspect of teaching. I love the aspect of developing kids to be the, the people on and off the field that they can be. And, Obviously, I love the competitiveness. That's that's what probably what I love most is is getting in there day in and day out and seeing your hard work pay off on the field. Was patience always something you had? And when I say that, I mean the success you had as a player. There are some things that, you know, I know you worked hard, but some things that probably came easier to you than to most. Was it hard once you start coaching and to appreciate that maybe some players can't do what you did and it doesn't come easy to them like it does you? And were there moments when you were like, why don't you just do it? Do X. But it just, you have to learn and appreciate that maybe you were unique in your skill set and what you could do. Were there moments where you had to learn that that patience as a coach or did it, you know, did you have that kind of empathetic skill set right away? Well, I think there's always teaching moments, whether it be in life or whether it be in baseball. You know, I look at it in in the summer of 2009, my my brother had a spinal cord injury and we thought he was going to be paralyzed. I had shoulder surgery, so I was in a sling. My pitching coach, this is when I was at Gloucester County College, my pitching coach at that time was student teaching. So he, you know, he was in and out of, of practice. So I had one arm, which was my left arm. And I had to really learn how to teach things because I couldn't demonstrate them. Um, and at night, I'm running back and forth. My brother was in McGee over in Philadelphia, and I'm running back and forth to McGee every night. And I felt like I, I just needed to change and teach a little bit differently. Um, and it allowed me uh, to teach differently. And we ended up, that was the first national championship that we won in 2010 at, at Gloucester County when I was head coach. And I think some of the outside things that I learned in life help me teach the kids on the field. Yeah, and kind of going along with that, how much did those experiences, your father passing your young when you're young, seeing your brother go through that, how much have they shaped you as a person, you think? what? How much of an impact have they had on who you are right now? A huge impact. I mean, obviously you're talking about my brother. He was an able-bodied person on one day, um, and the next day in the hospital, he's got an itch on his nose and he can't scratch it because he's paralyzed. 
And then seeing him overcome that and learn to walk again and go through a year of rehab and, and the, the ups and downs of that. Um, you see it on, you see the adversity on a daily basis on the field, right? We see the struggles. We see the bigger moments. Kids will tend to press a little bit more and I got to be able to talk to them a little bit more uh, slowly and, and calm them down a little bit more in the, in the bigger games. It definitely helped me. I mean, that year in 2010, we got called in the, the bottom of the ninth. We got called for a two out, two strike balk with second and third to tie the national championship game. Um, so as my players are coming off and now a tie game when we were winning, I had to be able to reverse their mindset and get them off thinking about how we they just tied the national championship game to how we're going to win it and get them to realize that it's, okay, you know, to smile about it. It's all right. This is what happened. We're going to get through it. And we ended up did. We, you know, we won it in the, in the, uh, we got a two out two uh, double in the, in the top of the 11th. And then we won it and you know, we closed it out in the bottom of the 11th. And I think had I not gone through some of those outside uh, adversary uh, within my own family, I wouldn't have been able to help those players get through that tense moment of, of that national championship game. To those national championships, you win two of them. What was that, just that experience like, and how does reaching the top of the mountain as a coach like that compared to doing it as a player, like when you win that that state title, like does the success hit differently in the different roles? You're so you're just so happy for the kids. It's almost more rewarding as a coach because you see all the work that you went through throughout the year and it pay off for them. Um, is definitely more rewarding as as a coach and as a player. You don't realize it as a player when you're going through it. Your focus is on being good for your teammates. As a coach, you see all the things that that you taught them throughout the year and all the things that they had to buy into and the adversities that they had throughout the year. When they pile on, you can kind of just sit back and watch and, and, and you know be so happy and so proud of them. Were there moments in both those seasons when you realized this group could do that? Like you had a ton of success and you're always at a high level, but were there certain points where something happened or, you know, a player came through or even just something on a bus or something like that, where you realize, okay, this group is talented. The mindset is there. You know, we we're going to be a very difficult out. Well, I think 2010, our first team that won it, we had faced so many adversaries throughout the season. I want to say that year our third baseman got hurt and he was out for a bunch of games. And then our second baseman got hurt and he was out for a bunch of games. But we kept on winning. And I think we had won 37 straight games uh, that year. We lost the first game of the season and then won 37 in a row. And we lost the last game of the season. Uh, and then we won the next eight straight to complete. So we had definitely faced challenges throughout the year. Uh, in 2013, I, I just think we were the most talented team in the country. Ironically, saying that in, in in 2010, I think we ended up the year maybe like 42 and three or something like that. Uh, so to say that the 2013 team was more talented is crazy. But in 2013 team, we had two players that made the big leagues from that team, and I think we had maybe eight guys that ended up signing professionally or or being draft picks off of that team. So that was. That was so, so super talented of a team that we knew we had something special going on with them. Is that a different coaching job when you've got that type of talent than maybe some other teams that, you know, is it more hands-off, like let these guys go? Like, do you approach it differently when you kind of realize what you've got under the tent as far as your roster and your group? No, I think you approach every season the same. 
I think they're just able to do things that that other players couldn't do. But they're still going to have, they're still going to face the same issues throughout the year. You know, some of them are still going to lack confidence. You know, they're going to go through the ups and downs of, of maybe some injuries. So you still have to coach them the same way. It's just they're they're more talented or they may be able to get it a little bit quicker. But you're still developing a team in a sense that they still have to be able to work together um, and they still have to be able to compete together and do things for the teammates. So I think you take every year and, and you teach a lot of the same things. You just may have more talent some years than others. I asked you to kind of compare high-level success player as a coach. You win two national titles. How do they compare? Because there's nothing like the first time I think you you do something you just it, it really can't be matched. But then, you know, within a few years to get back to that the top of the mountain, that's got to be incredibly satisfying. You know, how do they compare? Well, the emotions of 2010, just because of everything that I went through with my brother that year and me going through surgery, and it, it was so emotional just to finish that year the way we did. And I was so happy just because of everything that we had gone through. So obviously winning your first, there's nothing like when you win your first. When you, you know, in 2013, I want to say in, in 2012, we had a little bit disappointing year. We in the World Series, but, you know, we might have won or lost two games and then we were out pretty quickly. You know, we were on a mission to 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 get the right players in there that could help put us over the edge. And, and we were able to do that. And a couple of players uh, from their freshman year really worked uh, at it to get better their sophomore year. And I don't think one's more important than the other. Or, or more exciting the other than the other. I, I think you're just looking at each year differently. And I, I think once you win one, it becomes harder and harder to win another one because the players think that are coming in think that you're you're just going to win it every year, um, and they don't realize how hard it is to get there and how hard it is to win it. So I had always said that my most challenging years were the years after you were really good because there's a little bit of layover uh, and and it's tough to get back there. So a little long-winded. Hopefully I answered that. How are you at seeding control? Because one of the, that's one of the key things, I think, of being a coach is you can show a kid, you can talk about it, you can watch film. The kid's got to do it. How long did it take you to kind of accept you're putting your, your success is based on somebody else coming through? Because when you're a player, you're, you're the guy with the bat. You're the guy that is going up with runners on second and third one out. You know, you get it done. But when you're a coach, you're depending on someone else. How difficult was it to kind of accept that there was only so much you could do, the players had to do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely early on uh, as a young coach, that was tough uh, for me to handle that they, you know, I could do some things and I had some control of some things as a player, but as a, as a coach, I didn't. Uh, the older I've got, uh, the more that I'll talk to the players about certain situations, the more that I emphasize um, them buying in and and the more experience that I have in bigger games um, and I can explain to them and, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll listen and they'll buy into the fact that I've coached in a lot of big games and I understand what it takes to, to get to the highest level. And, and the more information that I can get to them and the more situations I can put them like in those situations in practice, I think the better off that they become and the more that they can do it in practice and the, the more pressure that they can kind of handle, uh, the better off they'll be in, in some of those pressurized moments. So you have all of this success at what was then Gloucester County. When does the, it's 2015. 
I think you come on board at Rowan. Was it a no-brainer when the opportunity to to go to your alma mater, you know, came about to be the head coach? It was a hard decision. I I, I was coaching the summer of 2014 with the junior college national team. So I, I was out in, in Iowa at that time and the position had been open for a while and I was mulling over it. And I think really what it came down to is I, I had just had my second child at Gloucester County. I was teaching full-time at the college as well as coaching. My assistant at that time had just taken the pitching coach job at Penn. So I, I knew I was going to be down a, a pitching coach, but it was mainly about my family is, is I just didn't know I, if I could sustain and give the program as much as it needed to be ultra successful with having my second child. And, and I mean, I always go back to what I think the hardest thing um, at the junior college level is you're, you're everybody, you're right. You're, you're, you're the coach, you're the recruiting coordinator, you're the academic coordinator. You're doing a little bit of everything at that level just because you don't have the means to have all the support around you. And you're putting in, you know, 70 hours, 80 hours a week. You're driving vans uh, for the college to get to away games. And so you're leaving early in the morning, getting home late at night. And then you got to, you know, you got to teach. You have 8 a.m. class that you got to teach next day at the college and you have you have two kids. I don't, it, it was it was going to be a challenge for me to be able to do everything. And, and when Rona opened up, uh, I saw it as an opportunity that I wouldn't have to teach anymore, and I don't have to move. Uh, literally, I mean, I'm in the same. I live in the same county uh, that I was before. My wife's uh, teaches down here, so you know, I wanted to try and take the opportunity uh, to go back. How much did the because coaching and teaching. You know, I think you could argue a lot of times two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. But how did literally having like classroom experience and work in a classroom while you're also coaching, how much do you feel that helped round you out as a coach? Maybe gave you insight into some of the challenges students have now that maybe didn't have when you were a kid, you know, but just kind of maybe seeing kids through a different light than you do when you're just coaching. Yeah, I, I mean, I always say I think good coaches are good teachers. I think they're one and the same. And I think that, you know, me having a background in teaching and graduating from Roan with a teaching degree helped me as a coach because I was able to explain things uh, as a teacher. So I was able to have a little bit more patience. I was able to break things down from uh, the ground level and then teaching at the college level. Absolutely. I was able to see, you know, some of the struggles that that college students were having in the classroom and and relayed that to my players and and how I could help them have a better experience both on and off the field and help them with some of their struggles um, in the classroom as well. How long does it take you, regardless of how the season ends, but to really get a feel for what a group is capable of? You know, and I don't mean this team could win 35 or I think this team could win a New Jersey Athletic Conference title, but just like all right, if we stay relatively healthy, we are going to be a very difficult out. Or this group is young, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. This might be a little bit of a transition year. Like, how long do you really feel like it takes to you get a firm grasp of what your group is? Well, I think a lot of it comes back to who you have coming back and how the older kids have been in your program and and how they've bought into your program. And, you know, you do see some kids that haven't had success early on, but they continue working and they just get at, at a point of clicks for them and they have a really good junior or senior year. I, I think 
throughout the year, I try and make my teams battle tested by playing other good teams. And I think you see how they work through some of those difficult situations as a group, how they learn from some of those situations as a group um, and whether or not they can be better from those. Obviously you're going to have to have some talent to win, but it's also going to be more than that talent. It's going to be about how we play and how we want to play within our system, you know, and the buy-in on their part to be able to execute the game plan and the standards that we, we put forward. As you have matured as a person, as you've coached different places and, and such has, what you consider success changed? Sure, because when you're when you're younger, it's all about the wins and losses, right? You're you're gauging success by how many games you win versus how many games you lose, and and you know I I still look at that, and I think that still is a part of it. But it's also you have to look at each team differently. So a success of one team who may might have started off the year with either a not a lot of new players. And they started off the year a little bit shaky, but at the end of the year, they really started to turn it on and they got to the point where maybe you thought they could get. So I think each level you gauge success on the development of the team and how they really bought into what you were talking about throughout the year is winning a national championship is, is that the, you know, the only way to look at success no, I think it is one way. I think when you win a national championship, you have a lot of things go well for you and you do a lot of things at the right moments, but you don't always gauge success on your wins and losses and, and your national championships. Now, you have won a lot of games at Rowan and in 2021, you guys go to the College World Series. You've made multiple trips to the NCAA tournament, but you get to that College World Series in 2021. What's that experience like for the group? And not for nothing, you know, 2021, we're coming out of the height of the pandemic. I would imagine it even hit better just because for a little while there, the thing that everybody really enjoyed doing was taken away from, you know? Yeah, I think it was great for everybody. It was, it was a challenging year. The year before was a challenging year having to tell my seniors uh, that their season was going to be over based on the pandemic and we had to leave and you know, we played one game and after the game, we were told that we're flying home the next day and the season's going to be over. And I thought that was the hardest thing I've ever had to tell a team. And then moving forward into 2021, kind of not knowing whether we were going to have a season in 2021 and, and what it was going to look like. And then them working through all the protocols that were in place and dealing with the, the you know, the areas of adversity outside of baseball and then also with baseball and then having them work through that. And go into a really, really difficult place to play in Marietta, who's got six national championships and have done a tremendous job. And then going in there and and winning that regional, it showed our players that it could be done, right? It hadn't been done since 2005. So we're talking about, you know, 16 years since we've been in the College World Series. So, and it's something that I talk about all the time is getting to a College World Series and playing in the NCAA tournament and how important that is. And then winning that. Showed our, our team and the, and the players, uh, our younger players, that it could be done. And I think not that it's easier. It's really, really hard to win a regional. But I thought the next two regionals, the players knew that they could win it. Um, and I think going in with that mentality is, is it makes your job as both a coach and a player a little bit easier. Hate to lose or love to win, which resonates with you more? Hate to lose. Uh, and I think that's the hardest thing as a coach. And I know I heard Nick Saban talk about this. And, you know, the wins become not as important to you as a coach where the losses, you remember the losses. You remember, you remember, 
you know, those losses live with you for years, but the wins, you're just like, ah, yeah, I, I did my job today. I want, you know, we, we won the game, but I still think you, you look back at some of the moments in some of those big wins from year to year. And you look at it after the season and you realize how important and how fun those moments were uh, for both you, your staff and the kids. Favorite part of what you do. Love being around the student athletes every day. You know, I love being around the kids. I love watching them develop. I love watching them compete. And I love being around the game, the game that that I grew up on. I think that's, you know, to me, the greatest job in, in the world is I get to compete on a daily basis. I get to teach on a daily basis and I get to develop on a daily basis. And to me, that that's awesome. Mike Dixon, this was great. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Rowan University head baseball coach Mike Dixon for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at One on One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next time when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.